0: Grizzlies lost a preseason basketball game in Orlando to the Magic, 109 to 105, on Tuesday night. But those aren't the numbers that you should be concerning yourself with. The Michael Cole and I will be talking to you about the numbers that you should be paying attention to coming out of Grizzlies Magic on this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Join us in locking in, won't you? We would appreciate it.
1: You are locked on Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome to this episode of Locked On Grizzlies. Thank you so much for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen. Every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. You can find us on where any platform where you can get a podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, literally anywhere. And you can also find us on YouTube. Just Look in the search bar for Locked On Grizzlies. You'll find our channel. Rate, review, subscribe. Help us make Locked On Grizzlies even better through the comments section. Interact with us. Make this as personable a show as you possibly can. We want to talk to you and have you be part of the Memphis Grizzlies conversation. And speaking of Memphis Grizzlies conversation, there is no one that I would rather have a preseason game on a Tuesday night conversation with than Mr. Commercial Appeal himself to Michael Cole. How are you doing, sir?
1: Joe, I'm doing great. Uh, how, how are you doing? Because I, I I looked on Twitter after the game, and and you, you you have the mix. You have a mix, right? You got the – it's just the preseason crowd. But you also got the, all right, we just lost to the Miami Heat C team, and <laughs> our three – three of our best players just played 30-plus minutes against the Magic, and we lost the yet. What's going on here? You got a good mix of both Joe so I don't Grizzly's nature is up, is up in a flurry right now but but I'm doing fine personally. How are you?
0: I'm doing great and let me for once be the voice of positive reason, to Michael. I could care less about the final score of a preseason basketball game. And I think that my, uh, Taylor Jenkins probably could care less about this final score. Obviously, you compete, you want to win, and that was one of my biggest takeaways to Michael before we get to the numbers that you really should be paying attention to coming out of this game beyond the final score. Something non-statistical related. Both teams competed really hard. Like uh, We talked about in our last episode how we thought Ja may not even play, or if they did play, maybe it would be 15 to 20 minutes. Ja Morant got a very regular season-esque 32 minutes of playing time. Same thing with Desmond Bain. Dylan Brooks played 32 minutes. John Conchar uh, came off the bench in this one, interestingly enough. Um, And as he comes off the bench, in terms of it being interesting, he plays 25 minutes. No time today for Zaire Williams. He did not play. Uh, So you have a larger sample size of John Conchar. And I thought that was interesting. You saw... Xavier Tillman gets some late run in that game. So the way that the rotation shook out, the minutes, and the way they were distributed, that was something that really stood out to me. Again, you can't – and I guess you can. You just mentioned Twitter. People can find a way to be angry about anything. In my opinion, being angry at a team for losing a preseason game is a fool's errand. I don't engage in such things personally because – This is a game that literally doesn't count. Uh, The Phoenix Suns lost to a team that's not even in the NBA a week or so ago. Nobody's saying the Phoenix Suns aren't an NBA finals contender still, or at the very least, a Western Conference finals contender. It's one game. The sky is certainly not falling. And what was most interesting to me overall was how competitive both teams played it as much as a tuesday night preseason game in orlando can feel like a ooh this is a fun basketball game i definitely got that feeling from it and it was unique in that way to me you usually don't get those from the preseason yeah it felt it
1: felt like a regular season game in some Correct. ways i saw i saw some people saying cole anthony calm down you know it's it's, it's you, you don't Get any extra incentive for the way you you know playing hard in this game, but the Magic are a young team and they're trying to prove a point. And the Grizzlies are a prideful team. You know they don't want to come out here and, and lose. You know they're playing to win as well, even though it's the preseason. But just to hit on a couple of things that you just said, you mentioned mm-hmm. uh, Zaire Williams as one uh, to point out there. Uh, I heard a couple rumblings there, nothing too concrete, but I think you know Zaire Williams. He did miss the open practice. Did not participate Mm. in open practice, and you know he's been very limited uh, lately. So them sitting him out wasn't a surprise in that way. But this is injury related, you know, to say the least. It wasn't, you know, I saw some people say, "Oh, why isn't Zaire Williams in the rotation and things like that?" It's completely injury. uh, Playing it close to the vest. Exactly this this has nothing to do uh, with you know Zaire Williams is clearly a part of this rotation. There's no hand and and butts about it there, but. So at the end of the day, what we saw in this game, more than anything, is the Grizzlies are still figuring out lineups. That's why the results don't matter as much because Taylor Jenkins, we literally saw him in the fourth quarter of this game where Ja and, and all those guys were still playing. Xavier Tillman did not get playing time until the fourth quarter. Right. Because he still he threw him in there as a, as a, you know, hey, let's try Xavier Tillman with this small ball lineup that we're trying. Speaking of that small ball lineup, they tried it at the end of the second quarter, mid to to end of the second quarter. Had a little success. So guess what? Santiago Dama didn't start the second half. Who did? John Conchar started in his place. Dylan Brooks. You know, we talked about it on here as well. We talked about John Conchar being that star. But, you know, it's another conversation we could be having. If Zaire Williams, you know, was healthy enough to play in the game, would he have been that guy? I think so. But anyways... Uh, John Conchar starts instead of Santi Aldama. Again, this is Taylor Jenkins fiddling with things. He talked all week long how, you know, these next two games, particularly the last one, but it looks like they're going to use both of these games or, you know, they definitely use this game. I I heard him say it before the Orlando Magic game that this is a a dress rehearsal game. So once he said they kind of got the clue that they were going to play a bunch of these guys and play them bigger minutes. But with that being the case, we're kind of getting a better idea of who the Grizzlies want to have in a rotation. But what we don't know yet is who's going to play with who. For example, we saw it early in the preseason. I believe it was the second preseason game. Desmond Bain stayed in the lineup with the starters. Dylan Brooks played more with the bench unit in the past couple games. Desmond Bain and Santi Aldama have been getting run with the bench unit with Tyus Jones and, and John Conchar in that grouping while we've seen, you know, Dylan Brooks, Josh, Steven Adams stick with the starters. So, uh, it's a lot of mingling that, that Taylor Jenkins is having to figure out. We saw, you know, towards the end of last season, for example, Desmond Bain playing with that second unit, how well mm-hmm. that worked out and, you know, um, things like that. That's what they're figuring out. And once they figure those things out, that's when you get the best version of the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies aren't some ultra talented team. Let's let's keep let's be honest. Uh, you have you have a lot of talent on this team, but we're talking about, you know, there are clearly teams that I think personally were more talented than the Grizzlies last season, but the Grizzlies have the second-best record because they're well-coached, they play hard, they're gritty, and the chemistry is is unmatched. The chemistry is unmatched, and those things that I just mentioned, especially the chemistry, uh, you have to find and mix and match those units to bring the best out of that. And once you get those, you know, parts, to, you know, fine-tuned and figure out, oh, Dylan Brooks plays well with this guy. Desmond Bain plays well with this pairing. Tyce Jones works well with this group. That's when you get the best version of Joe. And we we just don't – we haven't seen it yet. Taylor Jenkins is going to play around with it until they get it.
0: And you're not going to see it in the opening night game next week. It's not going to happen right away. You don't get younger on a team that was already one of the youngest in the NBA – and then miraculously have it all figured out. That's just not going to happen. And that goes back to the point I've made multiple times in conversations with you, by myself on this show. <laughs> they don't make contender moves. They don't. They got younger. They. You can be a contender and not act like it. And that is exactly what the Grizzlies are. They are a legitimate NBA Finals contender. You can't be the second best team last year, return the eight most important players from that team, and say that they're not going to be in that mix. But at the same time, you have to be honest and acknowledge that Anthony Melton played the fifth most minutes in the regular season on that team. Kyle Anderson was an impactful player on that team, although we'll talk about the guy that almost certainly is going to replace him for better or worse uh, later on in the show. I might have my 2022-2023 man crush Michael. Just prepare yourself now. Um, but anyway, the, the idea of... What these team, what this team will be, is a very fluid concept, and it's especially fluid until Jaron Jackson Jr. comes back. So, however long that injury impacts this roster, that is something to keep an eye on. And Taylor Jenkins is going to continue to try to play around more or less with what this team is going to look like. More or less, more or less. Hmm. Know, that line sounds familiar. Oh, it must be time to talk about my favorite daily fantasy site prize picks. Michael, we'll talk about the numbers more here in a moment, but if you said that John Morant was going to score more than 27 points in this particular concept or contest, you might be out of luck a little bit, or maybe you said that Steven Adams was going to grab more than nine rebounds. In that particular case, you would be in a good fit. Lots of good entries to make on prizepicks.com and make things connect and intertwine. I love how easy the format is. It's extremely simple to play. You can pick 2 to 5 players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any given entry. No competing against other people. It's just you and the projections that are available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you can watch, literally everything under the sun from the NBA, which the Michael and I are most interested in all the way to cricket and everything in between prize picks has more or less choices for you. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy with safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 States, as well as Canada shout out Canada. It doesn't get much better or much easier than prize picks. Download the prize picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users, you can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit 50 bucks, Prize Picks will give you 50 bucks. It's that simple. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. The main numbers that stood out to me cuz again, we're talking about numbers to Michael that are more important than the final score because it's a preseason game on a Tuesday night in Orlando. No offense to the Magic. They're probably not going to be very good this year. Maybe they surprise some people. You want to talk about a team that has more talent than maybe people realize. The the Magic have some – You know, when you're as bad as the Magic have been for as long as they've been bad, you're going to accrue some talent, and they certainly have some of that. So they're still very young, probably even younger than the Grizzlies, and they are in a position where they're not – you know, they'll probably be a tough out most nights, but they're not necessarily trying to win right now. Or if they don't win, they're not going to be that upset about it. Uh, the main trend that stood out to me in terms of numbers from this game DeMichael, Michael was shooting. 40.2 percent overall from the field, a ghastly 25 percent from beyond the arc, nine for 36. And that is with Desmond Bain, who I think we should lead off with trying to be positive for our audience Desmond Bain shot four for six. So if you take Desmond Bain away, that means the team shot four for, or excuse me, five for 30 from beyond the arc. So it's even worse without Bain in the mix. So the team as a whole struggled shooting, but goodness gracious, Desmond Bain, 33 points, 11 of 18 shooting overall, four made threes out of six attempts, seven for eight from the free throw line. I love that number because that tells me he was aggressive getting to the rim to Michael. He didn't post as much in terms of rebounds, assists. But this dude was getting buckets against the Magic. And if this Desmond Bain shows up and can show out like this, my bold prediction of him being an all-star reserve isn't going to be very bold for very long. He looked good against Orlando.
1: Yeah, he, he did. Uh, he, he looked good. But, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, by that. You know, Desmond Bain. He he. Quite frankly, has been one of the better shooters in the NBA, you know. And he's gotten off to a slow start in preseason. But again, we, I was talking to him the other day, and he was just saying, "Look, it's it's conditioning. Once his once it gets his swing back under him, you know, his numbers are going to be more reflective of what we saw last season. And then you're seeing him attack the basket more. You mentioned the eight free throw attempts. Mm-hmm. Talking about a guy that averaged over two free throw attempts last season. So in when he was getting to the line, it wasn't cheapies too. It wasn't um, the ref just blowing the whistles. It's, him using that big you know that muscular frame that he has and driving the basketball to the basket and forcing referees to make a decision so him being aggressive is is a big uh, change but the shooting struggles is uh i I can't stop talking about them because here here's the thing last season the grizzlies were not a good three-point shooting team this year Talked to Taylor Jenkins the other day, and we talked about it. Taylor Jenkins wants this team to shoot threes and layups. More threes, more layups. You know, you have players like Zaire Williams, Dylan Brooks, who can get passes with their mid-range shots. And, you know, John Morant's floater and Tyus Jones's mm-hmm. floater and Brandon Clark's floaters. They just kind of get passes. But you, for the most part, you want this team shooting threes and layups. Almost Absolutely. like a Mike Dantoni offensive scheme, in a way. But here's the thing. The Grizzlies haven't been a great three-point shooting team. So no. you, I get, you know, as a coach, you want to emphasize that. But what good does it do if the team isn't producing the numbers? And I think that's where uh, it's not a coaching problem I'm not trying to suggest here. But sure. it's, uh, the Grizzlies have capable shooters, but the numbers have not reflected it in any game so far. The first game against the Bucks, I think they shot 10 of 28 from three-point range. That was the best three-point shooting game the Grizzlies had, 10 of 33 after that. 10 of 36 out of that. 9 of 36. The Grizzlies have shot 29% from three-point range in four preseason games. Oh, I get it. It's just the preseason. It's just, just the preseason. preseason.
0: Just the preseason.
1: But, Joe, here's the thing. Go back to last season. Tell me what you said. You see Desmond <sighs> Bain making five three-pointers, and you see us saying exactly what you said. If you take out Desmond Bain's great shooting night and you look at the rest of the Grizzlies' shooting numbers, they aren't pretty. Uh, John Morant, I do think he's worked a lot on this jumper. We actually talked to him about it a couple of days ago. He's talked about all the work he's put in, but John Moran airballed a three-pointer in this game and he shot, he shot pretty bad from three-point in this game. I think, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to be a better three-point shooter, but the inconsistencies will be there, you know, from time to time. And the Grizzlies, emphasize, you know, Zach Kleiman came out of his mouth. Shooting was a big emphasis this offseason. That's why they draft Jake Laravia. David Roddy was a good college three-point shooter in his last season. Kendi Chandler was a good college three-point shooter in this once. And Vince Williams, that's what he was known for. We saw right. the stroke when he made the three-pointer against the Miami Heat, you know, towards the end of that game. Kenneth Lofton Jr., really good smooth shooting shot for a big man. They brought in shooting, but a lot of those guys aren't playing much. So – this is it all goes back to the conversation that you were one of the leading voices in having this summer, Joe, about Me? how yeah, you said it, how the Grizzlies weren't, you know, adding much outside of what they already have. And quite frankly, you know, I'm a big believer in internal growth, but we haven't seen, you know, uh, Xavier Tillman knocking down. Threes. We haven't seen Brandon Clark. You know, knocking down threes. I've seen it in practice. I've seen X make threes in practice. I've seen Brandon Clark make threes in practice. I've seen Stephen Adams make threes in practice. I've seen all those guys shoot three-pointers in practice. We, we haven't seen even John Conchar shoot at the volume that he, you know, he wants to shoot at to this point. Again, still early it's still it's early. only
0: the preseason it's
1: only the preseason so and I'm it's very not-
0: painful for me to say that because you're yeah. kind of not in a direct way to michael but you're kind of saying i was right but i can't accept that because it's because it's too early it's too early, early. i agree yes. completely but the signs
1: are, are are there and and we'll see you know over the course of the season you know how these things trend but i think right now uh we are at a point where we're like okay the, the shooting. We need to see a good shooting night on on Thursday to believe this team is an improved shooting team.
0: I am very much, and you'll get tired of hearing this, to Michael, as we work together this season and hopefully beyond. Uh, I am very much team. Call me at Christmas. That is that is my <laughs> tagline. That's my hashtag. Hashtag. Call me at Christmas. I don't care what this team looks like until Christmas, and that made me look very smart last season yeah. because the team was nine and ten. They were struggling. People wanted to fire Taylor Jenkins, trade Jaron Jackson Jr. (laughs) I laughed at all of them, and I turned out to be right. People like to point out when I'm wrong, but very rarely do they point out when I'm right to Michael, which is fine. I don't hold grudges or anything or remember all those things that people say about me. I don't at all. The point is this. You have to get more out of guys like John Morant, and John Morant will be the first one to tell you that. That's a credit to John Morant and his leadership. I didn't catch his media availability post game or see any quotes from him. I'm guessing he wasn't happy with a Kobe Bryant, uh, literal Kobe Bryant number, eight for 24 shooting night. I'm guessing he wasn't happy that he didn't make a three in six attempts. That's not enough for Ja. And again, to his credit, he'd be the first to tell you that. Um, John Conchar, two for four from three, not good enough in terms of volume. You mentioned that. Dylan Brooks, one for six from three, not good enough. Santi Aldama not making a three, not good enough. Up and down the roster, even the guy that made the threes, like Conchar, they expect him to take more of those, especially in 25 minutes of play. He should have been around six or seven attempts, maybe taking a couple away from Dylan, depending on how much time they shared the court. I'd have to look at those numbers. So I think that in terms of shooting, Taylor Jenkins talks a lot about how that ebbs and flows, right? They're going to have some good shooting nights, some bad shooting nights. They'll make some tough shots some nights. They'll miss some tough shots other nights. He has a very good long term macro perspective of that when it comes to shooting the ball in particular. When we come back on Lockdown Grizzlies, DeMichael and I are going to talk about some other numbers, not necessarily shooting related. Because again, Desmond Bain, very nice. Everybody else, not so much. But there were some other things that were positives to take out of the loss to Orlando that weren't necessarily putting the ball in the basket. We'll talk about that next on lockdown Grizzlies. DeMichael, Michael, I'm going to lead off with a wonderful performance by one Brandon Clark. And the reason I say that it was a wonderful performance is not because of his plus seven and 17 minutes played, not because of his three for three shooting. We're used to Clark being pretty efficient In terms of his scoring, I liked that he grabbed four rebounds because when you think Brandon Clark, you don't necessarily think a guy that's going to go eat the glass and attack the boards. So even though four doesn't sound that impressive in the condensed time that he was on the floor, say he plays 25, 26 minutes in the future, if he can continue that focus on rebounding, only Tyus Jones hilariously uh, had more rebounds than Brandon Clark. And John Conchar, in eight minutes played, had the exact same amount of rebounds as Brandon Clark. And Conchar is known for being an elite rebounder. So that was kind of my under-the-radar number that I noticed that made me feel kind of warm and fuzzy inside. Hey, maybe Brandon Clark can be a better rebounder for that reserve unit. And that would certainly lessen the load of guys like Stephen Adams, John Conchar. When you have to rely on the 6'5 wing to be a dominant rebounder that makes you a little nervous. So I liked seeing, of course, Ty, as we mentioned a moment ago, but Clark in particular, being a big in 16 or 17 minutes played four rebounds. That's good. Positive direction kind of stuff when it comes to Brandon, what's a number that kind of jumped out to you non shooting edition.
1: Yeah. So I'll start, I'll start just to chime in on, on the Brandon thing. And and I don't, I feel like this is this is just coming off a little bit more today as me being the negative Nancy in the in the what? building. But but Brandon Clark, I'm, I I haven't been super impressed with what we've seen from Brandon Clark. Only because only because I've said throughout the summer I have high expectations sure. for Brandon Clark, and quite frankly, what we've seen so far is just another rendition of last season's player. That's I haven't seen anything new. He, he made the little quick mid-range jumper today, but I felt like that was just because he had nowhere else to go in the offense, and, you know, he made the nice little mid-range jumper. But outside of that, it's been same floater, uh, lob here, and, you know, just do some nice things, you know, in transition and, and show off your defensive versatility, which are all good things. But, you know, if he wants to earn that next contract, and, and, and I think we need to see more, you know, and, and we will see. You know, I, I still think he's more than capable, but – Getting back to your point, something that stood out to me, this is actually going to be a good thing because I'm going to turn what probably some people view as a bad thing Mm -hmm. and tell you how I viewed it as a good thing, and it's Dylan Brooks. You look at the raw numbers, 413, right? Doesn't look good. good. Let me tell you what I've noticed from Dylan Brooks, not just in this game, but just throughout the preseason. You know, all that talk about, oh, he's never going to be able to, to play within the rhythm of the offense. And, I know you're going with this. And us. the volume shooter. And Dylan Brooks, so far, its I know it's a small sample size, so I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep emphasizing that. I love the sock selection that we've seen from Dylan Brooks through three games, these past three games. Uh, he's even today. I mean, in this past game against the Magic, he played within the flow. If you look at the 4 of 13, you know, a couple open miss, There were a couple at the end of the shot clock that he took. Uh, he even made some of those nice mid-rangers against, you know, some mm-hmm. tough, tough defense and whatnot. The past game, shot 6 of 10, I believe, against the Heat. Uh, he was really one of the pieces that was, you know, playing well in that game. I haven't seen yet a moment where it's like, oh, there's Dylan Brooks going back to last year, Dylan Brooks. So far, it looks like he's allowing Desmond Bain to be Desmond Bain that a lot of people want him to be. He's not trying to take shots from him. John Morant is being able to get his shots as well. Mm-hmm. And Dylan Brooks is just playing his role, and he's being that guy where we talk about the Grizzlies not having a lot of shot creators. There have been a couple times already, and it happened in this magic game too, where the shot clock was winding down, and Dylan Brooks gets to his mid-range spot and buries his mid-range jumper because he can do that. A lot of the other guys can't Dylan Brooks can do that uh you can argue about the results but he is more than capable of creating his own shot so I'm, I'm gonna give Dylan Brooks some flowers because if he if he took 17 or 18 shots you'll see a lot of people talking down on him but Dylan Brooks so far throughout the preseason I think it's been communicated to him because you know the coaches talked about you know emphasizing him wanting to be a better playmaker Dylan Brooks mm-hmm. even told me His goal this season, Joe, four to five assists per game.
0: And guess how many assists he got tonight then Michael?
1: Tell tell us the number. Four. And there it is. So you factor that in. I think Dylan Brooks, you know, uh, it's hard to say, you know, what his overall raw shooting numbers will look like. Because, again, he did shoot four of 13 today. But I think. Uh, the type of shots that he's getting, you, I, you're you going to see less of him shooting the Grizzlies out of games. You're going to live with, like, I think you live with the 413 from today, mm-hmm. Joe. You, you you take it because he missed some, there were a couple open three-pointers. It's like, that was the best shot the Grizzlies could have got, and you live with it. So I'm pretty encouraged, actually, by Dylan Brooks' uh, offense play. Then defensively, he was the guy who played the small ball for, and quite frankly, I think he held up better than Santi Aldama against uh, Palo Banquero in this game. And that was why we saw, uh you know, John Conchar start the second half in place mm-hmm. of Aldama. And when that happened, John Conchar slid up on the wing and Dylan Brooks slid down to the fourth spot where Aldama was playing. And he was physical uh with Palo. Uh, he was very physical. And then, of course, the Grizzlies they, they helped out and whatnot, but I think Palo had a really good first half, and in the second half, they kind of slowed him down, and he finished with just 17 points after getting off to a great start. So, I'm just going to throw out some flowers to Dylan Brooks.
0: Only two personal fouls in 32 minutes as well. Dylan yeah, has had get, foul issues. Yeah, used to that. Uh, yeah, but to see, that. but you, if maybe we're turning over a leaf here to Michael. Joe, I, Joe, I think, he I'm good. feeling very positive on this episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. I'm feeling Joe, good. Joe,
1: I heard him say he is going to use all six of his
0: fouls. He didn't in this game, this very yeah, he, he, he important didn't. Tuesday night preseason game in Orlando. He did he not. He didn't.
1: But but I don't. <laughs> I, when I heard him say that, it makes me think he has no shame <laughs> in some of those fouls. So that physicality that that turns into three, four fouls per game, I don't think it's going anywhere. But but I like the the, the way you're trending in terms of yes, he is. He did play physical with Palo and and he he wasn't getting called for a lot of fouls.
0: I like the the last number that I'll share to Michael, and then I'll let you have the last word. The Grizzlies started very poorly, right? Uh, At the end of the first quarter, it was 31-17 Orlando. The remaining quarters, the second, third, and of course, fourth and final frame, the Grizzlies won all three of those quarters. Now, obviously, it didn't add up to enough points in the end for them to overcome their poor start, but I think something the Grizzlies fans can take out of this game is as bad as it was in the first quarter, and it didn't look great, they gathered themselves and they played much more competitive and competent basketball, the way that Taylor Jenkins wants his team to play. Got to get off to faster starts, but it's not like they got blown out of the building. It's not like they, you know, had to make some miracle run at the end to try to have a chance to win. They were in the hunt going all the way back to halftime when they were only down seven, you know, they had cut the lead in half and then they whittled away at it. Just not enough. So I liked how they stayed competitive. They could have just said, oh, it's a preseason game. Who gives a crap? They didn't. They focused in. They hunkered down. Didn't end the way they wanted it to. But there was still some things to be positive about in terms of how they competed for the full 48.
1: Yeah, and and I, I do agree with that. And that's why, at the end of the day, I throw this preseason stuff out the window because one thing, two things, really a couple things that I know about this team from what I've seen is, Eventually, defensively, they're going to be top ten, possibly top five. You see, you see it in in, in doses right now. And again, uh, John Morant, I mean, he's in a stance. He got. I, it's like even on some of the bad plays, I find positives. You know, when he got called for that foul against Terrence Ross when he when he fouled him on the shot mm-hmm. and Terrence Ross knocked it down and John comes off of his feet, I'm thinking in my mind. There were times where Ja wouldn't have even made the effort to, to fight that hard on defense. The fact that he's fighting that hard is encouraging. Because And I've been looking at him, you know, he's in a real defensive stance. Ja Morant is emphasizing improving on defense. You factor that Agreed. in Desmond Bain, nice steal he had uh, in this game. or oh, No, the block he had from behind. Uh, making nice defensive plays. That's another guy you want to see improve on the defensive Mm -hmm. end. We know what Dylan Brooks is about. And then at the end of the day, you're going to get Jaron Jackson Jr. back. The way Palo uh, was just dominating them in the first half. Not
0: happening with Jaron out there.
1: It is not happening with Jaron Jackson Jr. on the floor. So you factor all those things in. it's, It's not the end of the world by a long shot. And the Grizzlies don't have a hard schedule to start the season. I think at the end of the day, they're still in a good spot. And uh, this next preseason game, we we get to uh, see what can they learn and and what will they improve before taking on Knicks on next Wednesday
0: night. Very excited for the preseason game coming up on Thursday. Taylor Jenkins is going to talk about that being another one of those preseason uh, dress rehearsal type games. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Thanks again for making Locked On Grizzlies your first listen every day. It is much appreciated by DeMichael and myself. Now for your second listen go check out the Ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022. This is a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey, all combining into one Ultimate NBA Preview. Search for Ultimate Pro NBA Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next time on Locked On Grizzlies, I'll be flying solo for an episode. Going to reflect back on a couple of things that you know are, are outstanding, some unfinished business, some untainted un, uh, takes from this game against the Magic. And then on uh, Thursday, the Grizzlies have another preseason game. They're closing out shop themselves against the Detroit Pistons. So we'll review and preview uh, with our next episode of Locked On Grizzlies. And then Michael will close us out solo, uh, finishing out the week to review that last preseason game before the games start to actually count next week. Thank you for so much for listening, uh, watching however you take in lockdown Grizzlies. It's much appreciated for the wonderful Demichael Michael Cole. I am Joe Molinax. Let's stay locked in Grizzlies fans and stick with us here all season long on lockdown Grizzlies.